I'm Linda McHenry with The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is Lisa Lieberman. And Lisa is going to talk with us about the places she's visited as an author and historian and how she brings them to life in her writing. And she specializes in noir. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Linda. It's nice being with you. Well, thank you. I enjoy you being here as well. Lisa and I have talked a lot about this topic and I'm going to let you explain it because you, I think, have a good point to make about history and what we're going through in light of the pandemic and sheltering in place. So why don't you take over about what you're going to talk about? So I've been thinking about all the wonderful places I've been able to visit in the course of my life. And since I haven't been able to leave my house, in fact, I, I rarely go anywhere except maybe <laughs> a walk down the road, I've been traveling more in my imagination and revisiting some of the places where I've lived. In my first novel, All the Wrong Places, which opens in London on Coronation Day, I was able to draw on a couple of years when my husband and I were living in England. One of them was while we were doing our dissertation research back in 1982. And one, one of the more exotic things that I was able to do was when we were living in Italy in 1996. And our children were very small. We had a one-year-old, a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old. But we really wanted to see as much of Italy as we could, and I guess we were just kind of intrepid. And we decided to spend Easter in Sicily. So we all flew down to Sicily, and we arrived in Taormina, which is this beautiful resort town where my characters in all the wrong places go because they're filming a movie there. And I was able to draw on some of the places I visited when I was writing that section of the book. So, for example, my characters all wind up in the catacombs of this monastery in Palermo, which is famous because the air there was so dry that the monks used to just hang the bodies up underground and they never got rotten. They just dried out. Wow. These bodies of people, and they were doing this for centuries, they're dressed up in whatever clothes they used to wear at the time. And sometimes they're even hung in little scenes, like you can have a whole family hanging on the wall, kind of around a dinner table. <laughs> and, you know, it's, there was one that I wrote about in the book. There was a husband and wife, and the way they're hung, it looks like she's yelling at him, and he's kind of hanging his head in shame. <laughs> and I figured the kids must have figured that was how they were in life, so they should hang them that way in death. Oh my goodness. Now you didn't take oh. pictures of that. I'm guessing when you were on vacation, you took pictures and that helps bring it back. But Well, fortunately, there, there is a whole article about that in National Geographic magazine from a oh few my. years back. So I was able to go back and refresh my memory. So my characters wind up in that place and a key scene of the novel takes place there. Oh, wow. You know, and, and it was just so wonderful putting myself back into that place when I was writing about it. And recently I just reread that section because I feel like it's gonna be a long time before I get back to Italy, you know? And at least I can revisit it in my imagination. So now when you do your research, what kinds of things do you do since you write about historical events and in historical times? I'm sure that just going on the internet and looking things up that, you know, maybe that's an initial phase, but that can't be all of it. I really need to see the place and I need to smell the air and feel the 
the way it feels just to walk down the street. So I'm, I've always used these books as an excuse to travel to interesting places that I otherwise would not have seen. When I was writing the second mystery, Burning Cold, which is set in Budapest during the 1956 revolution, my husband and I went there and we hired an English-speaking guide to take us on a seven-hour walking tour of all the sites where the revolution took place. And this guy, he was really diligent. I mean, he was recently out of college and you know, he, he really wanted to show us that he knew his stuff. And he took us everywhere. He showed us you know, walls that still had bullet holes in them from that time. Ooh. He showed us the cemetery where the Russian soldiers were buried, the cemetery where the Hungarian freedom fighters were buried. He showed us the graves of some of the famous people who died. And it happened to be when we visited the anniversary of the 1848 revolution in Hungary. And, you know, that's kind of like their 4th of July, except we won on the 4th of July. The Hungarians lost. They tried to break away from the Austrian Empire mm -hmm. and the revolution was crushed. Mm -hmm. So this day has a real sad air to it. And we were standing out in the street as the prime minister was speaking. And there were people crying, you know, with tears in their eyes because mm -hmm. they're really not celebrating on this holiday. They're, mm -hmm. they're commemorating a loss. And Hungary always lost. You know, Hungary has mm -hmm. a long, sad history of being conquered and being repressed. And, mm -hmm. you know, the 1956 revolution, which was suppressed by the Soviets, is just one in a long series. Mm -hmm. And again, I wanted to capture that flavor in my book. It's kind of hard to get if, you, if you've never been there. And just talking to people. You know, mm -hmm. Hungarians have this wonderful Black sense of humor, and I think it's the only way they've been able to survive, mm -hmm. given how sad their history is. Mm -hmm. But I also found, as I was researching that book, that I was reading poetry. There were poems written by some of the students. These guys, and it's usually guys, you know, they were in their 20s. Mm -hmm. And people that age don't really believe that they're mortal. You know, they, they have this optimism and this idealism and, and they want to change the world. And I found some poems that had been written during the bloodiest days of the 1956 revolution. And they were sort of found in the coat pockets of dead students. Mm -hmm. And their friends who managed to survive smuggled them out of the country. A lot of Hungarians left after the 56 revolution. And I found some of those poems and they were so poignant. Here's one. Oh, they were still angry as they bled, angrier still as they fell. And another one. Are you still coming? Come too late. We are fallen like the grain, cut down and mowed. So, you know, those poignant poems really affected me. And I, I wanted to capture that spirit. I put it into one of my characters. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I guess, you know, if it's stuff that you have not experienced yourself, it's hard to do. Is that why you watch a lot of movies and films, especially for your noir um, <laughs> settings? Oh, yes. I, I do that strictly for research purposes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes I have to watch two or three in the middle of the afternoon because it's very oh, important for my yes. research. That's right. You got to do your got to do your research. <laughs> Well, Lisa, thank you for visiting with me today. Tell us again, now your website is at deathlessprose.com and tell us the names of your books because you have a, a noir series out already, don't you? 
My series involves a young, struggling actress. Her brother is a blacklisted screenwriter, so they've gone to Europe in order to avoid testifying before the McCarthy Commission. And the first book, the one that opens in London and on Coronation Day, is called All the Wrong Places. The following one, set in Budapest, is called Burning Cold. And the most recent one, which came out in December of 2019, and is set in Vietnam during the filming of the Graham Greene novel, The Quiet American in 1957. There was a first version of that. Many people don't know because it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That book is called The Glass Forest. Good. So folks can find you there. Again, thank you and hope to have you back again in the future. Thank you, Linda. Okay. Bye-bye for now. 